We just had the episode with Rebecca Clements, though, where we talked, she talked about how men have a hormonal cycle. And I wish that we had had opportunity to really dive into that because I, I do feel like we are not necessarily in tune with or give uh, attention to our hormones or our emotions the way that they probably deserve to be honored. And if they did, it would cause us so many fewer problems at the end of the day. I agree. Well, I mean, I think everything's a cycle. Everybody, I mean, the, the earth, the sun rises, right? And it rises, I say this with air quotes, because really what's happening is there's a cycle, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's just one way that we're influenced by the earthly cycles. The sun, the moon, the tides, all of it. Right, all of it. We're feeling all of it without realizing it because we're moving so fast and furiously. We don't realize how much the earth affects us and other people affect us and Mm -hmm. our diet affects us and our exercise affects us, our biology affects us. Welcome to The Jealous Vegan, a podcast about healthy eating, habit change, and the hurdles we all need help overcoming. I'm Jennifer Hunley, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Voice. Today, we are joined by April Cunningham, confidence coach, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan, also known as The Influencer. Can we talk about emotions? Of course. What about them? <sighs> I hate them. You hate them? That's so I, strong. I know. It's Well, hate is an emotion. But <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, I, I want to be a logical and reasonable and um, measured person. I take pride in feeling like I'm measured. I'm not going to have an outburst. I'm going to contain my emotions. And yet, so often I find they do not want to be contained. Mm-mm. Yeah, you're right. And I feel almost powerless to stop them. Question is, why, though? Why stop them? Because sometimes it's not appropriate. And I think also in the spirit of self-improvement, sometimes those emotions are not the things that you want to lead with. Mm, that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And for me also, I think about, you know, my, my biggest hang, not hang up, but the grief that I've experienced most in life is around my father. And my father died in 2014 and here almost five years or I guess uh, almost six years later um, I'm still struggling uh, sometimes to deal with my feelings from you know my childhood or from when my dad passed and I feel like I should be over this by now oh that's I love that you said that because I can't tell you how many high performing high achieving women like yourself and myself we're always in a hurry to get past. I mean, we can't have an, any kind of accomplishment without feeling like that was nice. Yeah, yeah, I was just written about in the Washington Post, but what's next? That's nice. That was so last week. <laughs> what are we doing? Um, and and this is, I find it the same with like emotions we don't want to have. Grief being one of those. Like, really, I just don't. I don't have time. I don't. I don't want to make time to sit in this stuff. Like, let's go. Like, progressive women. Also, I get. I could. I could simplify that to say progressive women and and men too. Sorry, guys, not to leave y'all out. Progressive people. Men have emotions. Of course they do. <laughs> we can have a whole sidebar on masculinity and emotionality for real, because I I feel like men are not allowed, generally speaking, by American standards, to have emotions, which yeah. is a whole nother thing. Increase a whole other batch of problems, but. We just had the episode with Rebecca Clements, though, where we talked, she talked about how men have a hormonal cycle. And I wish that we had had opportunity to really dive into that because I, I do feel like we are not necessarily in tune with or give uh, attention to our hormones 
or our emotions the way that they probably deserve to be honored. And if they did, it would cause us so many fewer problems at the end of the day. I agree. Well, I mean, I think everything's a cycle. Everybody, I mean, the the earth, the sun rises, right? And it rises, I say this with air quotes, because really what's happening is there's a cycle, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's just one way that we're influenced by the earthly cycles. The sun, the moon, the tides, all of it. Right, all of it. We're feeling all of it without realizing it because we're moving so fast and furiously. We don't realize how much the earth affects us and other people affect us and mm-hmm. our diet affects us and our exercise affects our biology affects us. Like the, there's it's really something really fascinating about the individual biology of each human. Um, so unique and yet um, so impressionable by different elements in the environment. Not, and, the, and those things act to create this internal environment, right. uh, trauma and pain and also good things, joy and love. And, you know, so it's, it's a fabric and it's always moving. It's always affected by something. And I feel like we don't at least... Um, uh, to your point, yeah, like, are we, do you make space for your feelings? And it's not just the feelings, right? Like, you can be angry. You're a human. Like, babies are angry, right? They can have an inappropriate response. But it's not the feeling itself. It's the reaction and the awareness, right? The, the, the babies don't are not aware. I'm angry. I'm having an inappropriate response. We, tr- we train them. You, are, you can be angry, Here's how these are, here are the appropriate ways to respond. Right. Also, be aware that you're angry. And then as you, they really progress as a human, hopefully the emotional intelligence says, why are you angry? I find I wonder if there is some shame uh, that is created as a result of a, an appropriate response to something when you're a kid. And then somewhere in your brain, you learn, oh, I shouldn't allow my emotions out. And so then you start to just keep them to yourself. Uh, and I, I can't say how many people just hold things in and internalize them and all the damage that does uh, to our organs and our psyche and our relationships because we're not able to freely express ourselves. We don't we don't really even take the moment to say this is how I'm feeling, much less share with the other person. Hey, you know, why I did that because of this or because I'm feeling this way or because uh, something you said triggered this for me. So I think uh, I wonder how many of us are walking around with some shame about an emotional outburst as a kid that's preventing us from really listening to and giving space for our emotions now. Mm-hmm. You know what I think is um, both from my coaching practice and from my journey as a human, I we carry a lot of um it's so some funny. I'm sorry. My Your journey is a human, human. <laughs> um, as opposed to as a robot or a cat or fair point. Yeah. I guess I could just say my journey. Uh huh. Um, but I qualify it to say not like a road trip journey. I guess. Oh, like, I got you. As a human, um, but uh, there's a lot of shame around feeling weak, being perceived as weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it comes from like, you can't be sick or you're weak. You can't, for me, I had a shame trigger about, um, women crying in the workplace. Like, oh my God, if you cry, like seriously, like, and it, it's stupid now. And I think of it like, what? That was so dumb. But somewhere I picked that up mm-hmm. that you're weak if you cry. Um, can I tell you a funny story? Not funny, but can I tell you a story about that? So two things happened. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, I had a client who was moving. I mean, at my day job, um, we had a, a client who was moving to another brand. So they were basically ending a very lucrative relationship with us. Both parties had benefited over the course of a couple of years, but they had a strategic reason that they were going to 
go sell this other brand instead of ours. And I remember when we went to this meeting, you know, I brought like all of the big cheese from my side and they had several people from their team. And we we thought it was going to be the kickoff meeting for this next contract, this next version of the contract. And they were coming in to tell us, sorry, we're not going to do business with you anymore. And so uh, the manager who was responsible for kind of delivering this message, we had a great relationship and he was so torn up about it. He was about to cry. I mean, I felt like my boyfriend was breaking up with me and I, and I kid you not. I mean, it, it, it hurt and it was terrible. And I felt so bad for him because he was he was clearly pained over having to deliver this message. And you know, you could see like the tears right in his eyes and they did not fall, but we could all feel his emotions because after the fact we talked about like, wow, he was really upset. And so it's interesting that I looked at that not as, oh, he's so weak, but wow, he really cares about me because he said some really nice things about me personally um, because I was the liaison between our two organizations. But also the fact that we were going to lose this relationship. And he said, you know, I hope that we'll still be friends, which again, sounded like a breakup to me. <laughs> but no one was like, oh, you, you know, you, I don't, I can't think of any disparaging words that I'd want to say out loud, but you know, no one wanted to call him a name because he was emotional about this business relationship that was ending. And just yesterday, I have a new manager and when we got on the phone with my old manager to announce, hey, we're going to move you to this other team, he said, I thought you were going to cry. And I was so upset, like, what? Like, I don't cry at work. What are you talking about? I said, you're just not familiar with my intonation. <laughs> and so I was, and then later I thought, why was I defend? Like, who cares if I was going to cry? Like, I maybe I didn't want to work for you. Maybe I wanted I was going to miss my old manager, you know, but it was because like, oh, he thinks I'm that woman who cries at work. I was so in my feelings about it. Like, no, I wasn't going to cry. Like, I'm, I'm tougher than that. And you're right. Like, we just have these hangups that really mean nothing. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, like, who cares if I was going to cry? But for whatever reason, we've associated some negative thing about that emotion. And so we try to suppress it or. Um, hold it back for what we consider like an opportune or um, the right kind of moment. Right. Which never really comes. No. But, but I think you bring up a good point, too. It's like we don't oft, we don't see ourselves the way other people see us. So it's fine for a man to be emotional from your perspective. You're just like, oh, he really cares. But right. let the tables be turned. You're like, nah, man. What you what you mean? I don't I don't cry at work. <laughs> and, and what I was so interesting to me and I talk with my friends I talk with uh, clients other coaches was so interesting to me is that um we have one voice for how we talk to other people and we have another voice for how we talk to ourselves the voice I talk to myself with is not a nice person <laughs> right <laughs> I don't understand it I'm so critical and I would never talk to somebody else that way I know it's terrible it's like you wouldn't be friends with you <laughs> I'm not friends with me as a matter of fact since we're, you know, being honest here. But let's talk about emotions a little bit. I was listening to um, a podcast that you recorded with Jendi, Jendai, back in, oh, I don't even know, but it was episode four, Diet and Divorce. And I remember listening to it and really feeling for you because of what you were experiencing with the um, dissolution of your marriage. Um, how did you bounce back 
from the grief associated with that experience? Mm. Um, I, I mean, if you don't mind talking about it. Yeah, no, I can say that I'm, I'm mostly healed. Um, and I know that because in the beginning, it felt like, you know, news happens and it felt like a torrential rain started in my soul. Like the canopy opened, the dam broke, whatever. And it was like floodgates of, of, of emotion, grief and, and, and regrets and loss and a staggering inability to understand. Mm -hmm. It it was, and it was just all there in a mix. And um, over time, what I had to learn, I'm one of those high performing, high achieving women. It's just like, yes, but how much time are we going to give to this? Because ultimately we need to go. Uh, we need to get up and go from here. That was my scripture, actually. I was my, uh, my sister, um, uh, I said to my sister, I was like, we need to get up and go from here. And I quoted John 14, 31. Um, and I had to really realize that I had to give myself grace to feel. And that was really hard because there would be days when I just really couldn't, I really couldn't be normal I had to just be you know an air quote normal I couldn't just be like get through the day and do what you need to do and you know go and show up at social events I very much so had to I had to just sit with the feelings mm-hmm. and over time the feelings became less and less intense and it was like it was kind of like a washing away of all of that and I know now that I'm I've healed because I can remember the past and it's just a fact. It doesn't have to mean anything about me. It doesn't have to mean anything about what was. It doesn't have to mean anything about it. It's just it was. It's just a fact. It's like right now I'm recording this podcast. It's just a fact. I'm not emotionally attached to it. Cool. Let's talk, Jen. Now I can look at the past and still and have that same level of. Um, it's not a disconnection. It's just. It's it's just acceptance. Yeah, that's the word I was thinking of as you were talking. Do you feel disconnected from it? I don't. I'm absolutely aware. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm aware of the journey. I remember being able to get in my car and drive and feel like everywhere, driving along the road, there was a memory somewhere. Mm -hmm. And it would just pop up. And sometimes it was not very convenient. In fact, oftentimes it was not very convenient. And especially if I had to be in public, I had to go somewhere and I had to talk to people. And it was just like, I don't have it. And I'm also an introvert, so I recharge alone. It was emotionally draining. Then I got to go into public and talk to people. And I'm a coach. And, you know, it was just like, I don't have it. Um, it was That just made it worse. Because then I would try to contain it a little bit. People don't need to see me crying. Mm. Um, but then I would... Abs- containment would require so much energy that I would be exhausted at the end of the day. I have to go home and literally just fall into bed. Um, over time, that's that's changed, and it's adjusted. I'm happy to say that I've I've mourned it, I've healed it, I let the feelings be, um, and then gradually I started to notice that I could remember things without pain. It just was a date, historical fact mm-hmm. in my life. I love that about you, and I wish that I had that same coping mechanism because. I think I've, the things that, I mean, you know, the losses that I've experienced uh, primarily related to uh, a loved one dying have kind of stuck with me or even the dissolution of my family. When I was 16, like my family erupted and everything changed. And 
I didn't deal with it. I didn't want to allow those feelings to live. And so I would do everything I could to push them down. And you know what? They wanted to be heard and they demanded to be heard. And so for years, there's been this pull or struggle internally to let myself feel the pain associated with that loss. And if I had dealt with it at the time, I think I would have been so much better off. I feel the same way about when my dad died in 2014. Like, I felt like I had, like, I I don't even think that I grieved it at the time. And then there was all kinds of stuff with the funeral and um, his new family and, you know, just, just mess. And so even then it took me a while to get past it. And so I feel like I did the opposite of the things that you did to cope. And I'm finally feeling like, similar to what you said, like those things, those memories are just things that happened. Um, there's not as much pain or loss or longing associated with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do miss my dad and I can talk about him without crying, uh, which it took me years to be able to do that. Um, and so I, I, I hope that people who are listening, who have had experiences where they've lost someone will make space for their grief because it's important that you let yourself feel. And no, you're not gonna, if you, I mean, I think there's a balance to be struck. Like you can't stay home and just be in your feelings all the time. And there'll be times when you'll be out in public and you may just need to go ahead and cry. Um, But if we just suppress them or contain them, like you said, we'll never get to a point where we're able to heal and move past it. I really applaud you because um, you have come such a long way um, in, in terms of like, being able to talk about your father. When I first met you, I remember, I remember thinking, oh goodness, there was just like, a mess. so much stuff. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't use the word mess. I, I definitely felt repress, repression from you, right? In a lot of ways. And um, I experienced you as very like trying, always, always trying not to show that you were air quote weak. And I never experienced you as a weak person. Never experienced you that way. I always experienced your strength. And you were working really hard to prove that you were strong and you really didn't have to. So I applaud you because you've come such a long way now that we talk about things now and I'm just like, mm, that's, that's so, that tickles me that she's like, that's healed. You can, we can talk about it like your mm-hmm. father and it's just a fact. Um, and talk about it to other people. You, you said to me like, oh, I was at this thing and I was talking, somebody was asking me and I was just talking about my dad and then was telling him, you know, and I'm just like, you said that to a stranger? Ordinarily, I would have expected you to be in the car, you know? So it, I'm, I applaud you. I say all this to say, I really applaud you for the journey. And I mean, in real talk, you were, you know, 16. I was, uh, I won't say my age, but I was a grown adult, right? So it was 40, actually, specifically. Um, so it, it's different. It's different. It's not fair to compare. And I don't think that you were trying to compare, but you... At 16, you can't be expected to have the coping mechanisms of of a 40-year-old. Hopefully, a 40-year-old has the proper coping mechanisms. It's not all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I talk to people who are 50 and 60, and I'm just like, oh, no, we have a... If I were coaching you, <laughs> we have a long way to go in emotional intelligence and and, and an awareness of what's happening internally. Um, yeah, I think food plays a, a part in that, too, because I think that we tend to numb... Um, any way that we can. If we don't want to deal with our feelings, we find a way to numb. And so some people seek out illegal ways uh, to numb and others seek legal, but also detrimental ways to numb. So that could be overeating or eating certain types of foods that they think will give them comfort. And in the moment, maybe they do. 
um, or drinking. And, you know, all of those activities tend to uh, distract, but it's only temporarily. And then you have to deal with, well, whatever the, the fallout is from that activity, especially if you've allowed that coping, quote unquote, coping mechanism to become a crutch. Um, and yeah, crutches are useful while you're healing, but at some point you get back up on two feet and you stop using crutches. Mm. So I, I think um, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves just limping along and then we never heal, right? Like if you use a cane or a crutch for long enough, then you don't allow the bone to set properly and then you're walking with the limp or not able to walk on your own. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that. Uh, I've gotten the help I need to be able to get past that. And I would actually, I, I would actually edit that a little bit to say, gotten the help. Yes, you getting, chose getting the help, but but you made the de- <laughs> you made the decision. No, no, I'm not I'm not t- speaking so much in the tense, but like in the sense that you made the choice, right? You made the choice to say, okay, I'm going to get help. I remember having a conversation with you. You yeah. just like, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to be broken. Right. And then at some point you were just like, no, I need help. And you did. You engaged help. I mean, that that that's, that can't be uh, overestimated how important it is to choose to heal. It doesn't happen automatically. You have to choose to heal. You get to choose to be uncomfortable. You get to choose to feel pain. Um, knowing that the only way out is through. And knowing that feelings, when they're buried, they're buried alive. <laughs> and so it's a choice. Oh, can I say that <laughs> the visual associated with something being buried alive is like scratching and clawing and doing whatever you can to get back out. And that's exactly how I guess our feelings feel. Yeah. And it's human. Like, okay. You're meant to be angry. You're meant to be frustrated. And what's curious to me is that all those things can mix. Like you can really dislike someone, maybe even hate, and at the same time, love them. And we think that those things have to be mutually exclusive, but actually no. In fact, teenagers, they think about killing their parents. And parents, I'm sure, think about killing their kids. Now, is anybody going to do it? (laughs) Same people don't because I love you, but... God, you make me crazy. Um, but it is, it's just a part of the human experience and it doesn't have to say anything about us that you have this thought. You had the thought. It's very important. It's crucial that you don't act on violent thoughts. Right. But also acknowledge, like, I'm really frustrated with you. I really just don't know how to navigate this with you. And I'm tired of talking about it or I'm tired of talking, saying the same things and not getting through. So all those things are there um, but when the shame gets laid on that this is not an acceptable feeling, well, you're human. So if you're feeling it, let's not try to put it in a good and bad box. Let's just notice that it's happening. Can we talk about why? Um, and to me, that's like, it's part of what I coach women through because the emotional intelligence piece is recognizing no emotion is bad. It just is what you're feeling. If we could take it out of the context of bad and just put it into, okay cool uh why do you think that is and what do you want to what are you choosing to do about it Mm -hmm. and making it conscious not unconscious because i think 
a lot of times when we respond in a way that the response is not what we want, we respond from anger, but we're not responding really consciously. We're responding from anger and it's it's a gut reaction. Those are the ones that we regret later. But if you can sit there and process the anger, what am I really angry about? Am I angry with you or I'm angry with something that's happened in the past? Or if you can process that, the anger goes away just like a wave. And then now, how, how are you choosing to carry your lesson from this anger forward? But that's a lot of work. Yeah. And I don't think that culturally, and I, I'm, I'm speaking from a Black American perspective, I don't know that culturally we are often sitting in rooms where those conversations are taking place. Absolutely not. Yeah. That, that you're expected to, oh, well, just figure it out or you'll be okay or... You know, kind of like the the parent who tells the kid, like, wipe off your knee and, you know, keep going. Um, and I think emotionally, a lot of times that's the and I don't, I don't sound a black experience. I think that's that's the American culture that we're expected to just, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep on going um, when maybe you need an opportunity to address how you really feel. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's um I, I actually don't think it's I don't know if it's American or not. I think it's a. Um, it's a social construct, and I would bet that it appears all over the world, yeah. right? Um, that you're supposed to boss up. We have all these expressions. Mm-hmm. Boss up, uh, suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. Um, be a man about it. Be, right. Like, wh- what, is that, what does that even mean? Are men not allowed to be angry? Are they not allowed to feel love? Like, And I'm not talking about like romantic love. I mean, are they allowed to, to, to be scared even, um, Kobe Bryant died mm, a few weeks ago, and the world was shocked. It was, a, you know, something that happened suddenly. He died with his daughter, a freak accident, um, and the family was separated. Mm-hmm. And when I saw some of the pictures, different tributes to him, and different things, it talks about him being a family man. And I'm like, that's really beautiful. Uh, he had daughters that are going to seriously miss him, mm-hmm. and, a, and a wife, of course. Um, and so does it, does it just really got me thinking about the complexity of, of love and life and loss. And I really felt for his family, you know, um, there are men that I have worked with that I, I know that they are deeply emotional. They care a lot about their families, um, and that's actually the place they are most triggered by any threat to the family and mm-hmm. not just a physical threat, but a threat to um, a threat Safety. to their own perception that they can provide for their family or that they can um, take care of their family in different ways. It's like what they're triggered by in even the most remote ways. They're super sensitive to caring for their families. And I think and yet I feel like it's not. It's not socially acceptable for a man to be angry or for him to feel those things. I'm I only care about I I, I my mentor. Um, he braids his daughter's hair. That's awesome. They had like a YouTube channel where he would braid hair and he would put it on YouTube. And he actually got picked up by uh, Tyra Banks, I think. And they went to L.A. and he and his daughter and they were just like you know talking about hair and the man the the dad who does hair or something like that was the name of his uh, moniker. And it was just something that he did with his daughter. But I mean. Some men would consider that sweet. I thought it was very endearing. And he was and he was in touch with his own masculinity to be mm. like, my daughter's hair is not going to be busted. So I'm going to do it. And I'm, I'm not afraid to even share that I do hair. 
Is his wife in the picture? I mean, is the mother in the picture? I, I don't know. I don't oh. know the state of the fact. He was just telling me, and I was just yeah, like, you have... Cool, though. And I honestly, I, real talk, I, at first, I kind of said, I was just like, you. that's kind of corny. <laughs> you have a YouTube channel where you do this? Okay, that's kind of corny. <laughs> and then, you know, but that's... I, I got the stuff, too, right? Like... Yeah. We, we all have these perceptions of what is masculine and feminine and acceptable and unacceptable and... Um, you know, what emotions are okay to share and, and when and, and what is not. And, you know, I think in a, in a society that is considered, um, I can't think of the word, uh, polite, excuse me, in polite society, there are certain things that we accept. Um, but I, I, I often want us to question, why am I doing this? Why is this okay? Why is that not okay? And I, I like what you always say is, is it, is it, I'm struggling to remember, is it, is it illegal, immoral, or sinful? Period. So if it's not those things, then what are we talking about? Yeah. Consider it. Yeah. I say that I, I'll do anything twice and obviously not anything, but for most things, I feel like if I don't, if it doesn't work out well the first time, I should give it another shot. Um, and I, I love that open kind of attitude and mentality um, and the way that you look at things, too, because, you know, I think I think the purpose of the Jealous Vegan is to get us to start to question um, our understanding of what is healthy and how we're doing things and determine whether or not that's serving us. And if it's not, let's take a look at how can we do it differently? What are the changes that we can make to improve our lives just i like what rebecca clemens said again um because that episode is was pretty fresh in my mind but she talked about uh making a one percent difference how can i make this one percent better right and so i think when it comes to dealing with grief and emotions and and looking at how we're gonna survive in the world you know what can i do that's one percent better than how i used to do it um until we get to a point where we're we're pretty satisfied with how we're uh, showing as you would say showing up in the world yeah I, I agree. I love that too. She said, because it's a progressive perspective mm-hmm. of how to negotiate um, change. Um, the only thing I would add to it is, and this is my new phrase, um, I won't call it my phrase for 2020 because I have so many, but um, respect the experience. And that's really fe- all feelings want. Like, respect me, let me have my voice. And if you let me have my voice, I will go away until another convenient time. <laughs> I feel um, like you're taking a lot of scriptures out of context. I mean, <laughs> I mean um, but 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 it, respect the experience of grieving, respect the experience of journeying, respect the experience of figuring out your your diet or your habit change or mm-hmm. negotiating a relationship. Um, I'm I'm dating and um swirling sometimes because of the stuff from the past and the stuff in the present and the stuff that could be and I'm 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 trying to respect the experience and stay present because that's really the only thing that matters. I don't want to make decisions based on um, the clutter of the past. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make decisions solely. I should say solely. I don't want to make decisions solely based on the clutter of the past or the possibilities in the future, good or bad. I just want to be present and respect the experience. And it's it's staying hard. It's thinking hard. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard today, please take two minutes and leave us a review in your favorite podcast app. And in the meantime, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress. <laughs>